Hi, this is Henry Proclaim with John Fonville. We're in the final message in our series called The Five Solas. It's celebration of Reformation Day and the anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Today is message number five called Sola Deo Gloria, our only goal. Sola Deo Gloria means glory to God alone. The main idea we're exploring today is how the first four solas give glory to God, and without them, there's no glory to God alone. We're so glad you could join us for this series. Let's jump in now. Here's Pastor John with part one of Sola Deo Gloria, our only goal. All right, um, take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, and let's look at verses 33 through 36. We're going to wrap up our uh, five-week study of the Reformation Solus today with the last one. And so to give us some context for it, uh, let's read verses 33 through 36. And so hear what the Apostle Paul says here. He says this, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him, that it might be paid back to him again? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So as we've looked at the solas, uh, these five Reformation slogans um, in our study, we have each week uh, emphasized to you that uh, these five solas are interrelated. They're mutually dependent. You cannot have one without the others. And so what we have covered so far is this. We have covered sola scriptura, scripture alone, which is our final authority. We have covered solus Christus, Christ alone, which is our only mediator. We have looked at sola gratia, which is grace alone, which is our only cause. And we have looked at sola fide, which is faith alone, which is our only instrument And so these first four solas lead to and culminate in the fifth and final sola, which we're going to look at today, which is soli deo gloria, gloria to God alone, which is our only goal. It is our only ambition. Now, as I said, all these solas are inseparable. So this final sola is inseparable from the first four. And so what I want to do with you this morning is, is I want to show you how and why the first four solas give glory to God alone. And that without those four solas, there is no glory to God alone. So what we're going to discover as we look at these five solas this morning is that they, they all represent uh, core truths in relation to or about the gospel. And all of these solas together are meant to emphasize to us that um, uh, Scripture, Christ, grace, faith alone are all intended to glorify God alone. So here's the first uh, thing I want you to see is that uh, sola scriptura, there's no glory to God alone if salvation is not based on the final authority of Scripture alone. 
By sola scriptura, let's just review for a second, the reformers meant that the scriptures, as opposed to the church, the Roman church, the medieval church, as opposed to the pope, as opposed to church councils, which have erred, and as Luther said, often err, but the reformers by sola scriptura meant that the scriptures serve as the final authority in the church alone. And the reason is because Scripture alone is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. And because Scripture is inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, Scripture is inerrant. It doesn't err. And Scripture is infallible. It cannot err. Only Scripture has the authority to speak from God because Scripture comes from God, the Holy Spirit. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so what is God speaking to us in the scriptures about salvation and its final purpose? Scripture tells us that the ultimate purpose in creation, the ultimate purpose in providence, which upholds creation, and the ultimate purpose in redemption is to glorify God. Let me give you a couple of examples. First of all, we see the glory of God in creation. Why did God create all things? God created all things to manifest the glory of his eternal power, of his eternal wisdom, of his eternal goodness. In Psalm 19, verse 1, listen to what David says. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God. That is, the the creation uh, is displaying God's royal majesty and power to us. And that reveals, displays, that puts on display the glory of of God. In uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle John says that there is a heavenly choir that is glorifying the one who is sitting on the throne and the Lamb. And together, this heavenly choir says, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, listen, to receive glory. And honor and power. Why? For you created all things. Listen, and because of your will, they existed and were created. And so creation brings glory to God. Uh, Numbers chapter 14 in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, it says that God desires. For the whole earth, for all of creation, to, quote, be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so God is glorified in creation. Second, the scriptures tell us that God is glorified in his providence. He's not the divine watchmaker. We're not deists where he created the world and walked away and just let it do its own thing. The scriptures teach us that the end of all of God's works of providence is for the manifestation of the glory of his power. And it is by his power, listen, the author of Hebrews says that God, Jesus, is upholding all things by the word of his power. That is a glorious display of power. God's works of providence manifest Uh, his power as he upholds the heavens and the earth. He upholds all creatures and governs them not by chance, but by his sovereign predetermined will in all things. And that is a glorious rule by our king. 
But ultimately, the scriptures teach that this universal knowledge of God in both creation and in his providence will not be fully realized apart from his saving work. Listen to what uh, John Newton, the great uh, preacher, the great Anglican preacher, uh, said on a sermon from Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. He says, Much of the glory of God may be seen by an enlightened eye in creation. Much in his providential rule and care over his creatures. But the brightness of his glory, the express and full discovery of his perfections, can only be known by Jesus Christ. And the revelation which God has given of himself to the world by him. And so this brings us to the glory of God in salvation. The scriptures reveal to us that the greatest possible good that we could have is to see God's glory safely. And then to behold the beauty of the Lord. In John chapter 17, verse 24, Jesus prays and he reveals that it is God's desire and ultimate goal for his people. Listen to what he prays. To be with him, why? Why does Jesus want us to be with him? Listen, so that we might see his glory, which the Father has given to him. And the way that that happens is through this saving work that, he, that God has planned and executed on our behalf. And so the first four solas summarizing scripture emphasize that salvation is from the Lord and it is for his glory alone. Paul clearly teaches this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 6, 12, and 14. He says repeatedly in this chapter that God's salvation is according to the purpose of his will, listen, which is for the praise of his glorious grace. But then I had you turn this morning to the book of Romans, so go back to chapter 11 and look, let's look for a, for a brief moment at verses 33 through 36, because here Paul makes it very clear that salvation is from the Lord and that it is for his glory alone. Let me just give you the context of what Paul is doing here at the end of chapter 11. From chapters 3 to 11 in the book of Romans, Paul has been discussing the doctrine of God's salvation. And what he has given to us in chapters 3 to 5 is justification, that is salvation from the penalty and guilt of sin. In chapters 6 through 8, he has discussed sanctification, that is God's salvation from the power and dominion of sin. And then in chapters 9 through 11, he has discussed the electing purpose of God in salvation, which guarantees our perseverance to the very end, and that God is faithful to keep his promise, to complete what he has started. And so Paul, as he thinks through this grand work of salvation in this letter, as he comes here to the end of chapter 11, he's simply overcome with joy and praise to God for what he has written. And he is overcome with praise to God for God's gracious work of salvation. And so this is what he does. He's just writing this letter, and just all of a sudden he has this moment where he just bursts out into a doxology, a praise to God. And listen to what he writes. 
He says all the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? And then he says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever, amen. In the context, this all things means all things related to our salvation, And Paul in this passage gives three reasons why salvation gives glory to God alone. Let me just quickly show them to you. They're very simple. First of all, in verse 36, he says that salvation is from God. He says, for from him. Do you see that? The the theology is always in the prepositions. Please get that. Look, look, for from him are what? All things. All things related to our salvation, pertaining to our salvation. Therefore, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul is saying that our triune God is the source of our salvation. As he begins this letter in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he calls the gospel the gospel of God. Why? Because God is the author of the gospel. Listen, God is the author. He is the source. He is the architect of the gospel. He is, Paul saying, he is the source of our salvation. This entire plan was conceived by God. Uh, Graham Goldsworthy says, it is God's gospel. He is the author of it. He is the one who puts it into effect. He achieves what he wants it to do and in the way that he determines This is God's gospel. The salvation, the gospel, is from beginning to end from God. It is from him. Second, the apostle Paul says, for salvation is through God. Look, for from him and then through him are what? All things. Through God are all things pertaining to our salvation. Therefore, to him be the glory forever. Our God is not only the source of our salvation. Paul says our God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the accomplisher of our salvation. He is the worker in our salvation. This entire plan was carried out and accomplished by God. How does he do it in time? In history and time, our salvation is accomplished through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. And so the scriptures teach us that salvation is not based on anything that we have done. It is not through our works. It is through him. Salvation is through the work of God the Son incarnate who said in John 17, 4, as he prayed to his Father, I glorified you on the earth. Listen, having accomplished the work that you have given me to do. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. The work is accomplished. It is solely through God, where our salvation comes. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, he saved us. How? Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but he saved us according to his mercy. 
Listen, the mercy that came about by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Salvation is through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Therefore, Paul says, to him be the glory forever. Amen. And then third, Paul says in this passage, salvation is not only from God, it is not only through God, but salvation is to God. Look what he writes. For to him are all things pertaining to our salvation. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The glory of God, Paul says, is the ultimate goal of our salvation. It is to put God on glorious display for his mercy. Salvation, Paul says, it was not our idea. We're not the authors of it. It didn't come from us. Salvation is not our accomplishment. We're not the workers. We don't save ourselves. Salvation, therefore, is not for our glory because we're not the deserving. He says God is the source. It is from him. God is the accomplisher. It is through him. Therefore, consequently, salvation is all to the glory of God alone. And so by, ref by affirming sola scriptura, the reformers were seeking to give glory to God alone. Why? Because the scriptures are essentially a witness to Christ and his saving work. Christ sums up the whole of biblical revelation. And so this leads us to the second sola, which was solus Christus that we looked at, Christ alone. There is no glory to God alone if salvation is not found in Christ alone. What do the scriptures teach about Christ? They teach us, as revealed by the Holy Spirit in the gospel, that Jesus is the fullest and brightest and most complete and final revelation of the glory of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, The glory of God is manifested to us in Christ. Because he says, the Holy Spirit has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, listen to this remarkable statement. The author says that Jesus is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Now listen carefully, this is an amazing statement the author is making. He's saying that Jesus doesn't merely reflect God's glory as the moon reflects the light of the sun. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is this amazing statement that the glory of God, the essential glory of God, radiates from Jesus himself just as light radiates from the sun itself. That is an amazing statement. And then furthermore, what we've learned concerning salvation is that salvation belongs to Christ alone. There's nothing that a sinner can do to add to the perfect work of Christ. None of us can say what Jesus prayed. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have given me to do. None of us can say that. Jesus, the incarnate Son, has fully accomplished the work of salvation for us. 
There's nothing we contribute. Salvation is found in Christ's accomplishment alone. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says that Jesus is the only mediator between sinful humanity and God. He says there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and that's solus Christus. Therefore, um, it is only by Christ alone that our sins are forgiven, and therefore God receives all the glory. And then this leads us to the third sola, sola gratia, grace alone. Why grace alone? Because grace, as we learned, is a person, not a substance. It is Jesus in redeeming action to sinners. And so the point is, is that there's no glory to God alone if salvation is not sourced in grace alone. Salvation is sourced in grace alone. This sola gratia, grace alone, emphasizes that God's grace to us in Christ is the only reason we are saved. And the grace of God glorifies God, the grace of God given to us in Christ. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. And just briefly, I want to show you a couple of passages here. We'll just, we'll just look at a few. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6, 12, and 14, Paul emphasizes three times that the grace of God in salvation is to the praise of God's glory. Let's just look at verses 3 through 6. But Paul, again, as he is, just like he does in Romans, as he is contemplating the work of the triune God in our salvation, he's just overcome with praise. And so verses 3 to 14, literally in the Greek, is one uninterrupted long sentence. And Paul is just in rapture, writing as fast as he can this praise to God. And so he begins like this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. And all of this he did, look, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely, his grace, he freely bestowed on us in the beloved who is Jesus himself. And so grace alone, sola gratia, emphasizes though we do not and we cannot deserve God's salvation by our good works. God the Father sent his only begotten son to do for us what we can never do for ourselves and what we have never done for ourselves. And so the glory of God's grace is displayed, listen, not only in his unmerited favor, which equals something we haven't earned, but what we've learned is that the glory of God's grace in Christ is displayed in his demerited favor, which equals something we receive in spite of our sin. And Paul makes this very clear in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. He begins in chapter 2, verse 1, making it very clear. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Then look at verses 4 and 5. But despite being dead in our trespasses and sins, listen, we receive this. 
But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. And so the grace of God and salvation strips away any claim that man might make for boasting in his salvation. Sinful men are forgiven, converted, purified, and saved, not because of anything that is in them or because of anything that could ever be in them. Paul says salvation is solely based on this boundless love, goodness, compassion, and mercy, the grace of God to sinful men who have earned exactly the opposite. Listen to Jerry Bridges. He says, the fact that God deals with his children on the basis of grace without regard to merit or demerit is a staggering concept. It is opposed to almost everything we have been taught about life. He's exactly right. Thanks, John. That's Solideo Gloria, part one. More on Him We Proclaim next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at ParamountChurch.com. I'm Josh Montez. Thanks for listening and join us next time.